This is Learn Right Radio, your podcast for clinical practice, clinician experiences, and being a clinician in the workplace. I'm your host, Sarah Thistle. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Learn Right Radio. Uh, this week we have Paul Akesh on, and he is actually an industrial athlete. So up to this point, we've talked to different clinicians and healthcare providers, uh, but we have an industrial athlete on the call, which is really exciting. Uh, you know, he may say this again when we start the episode, but Paul just provides insight on his experience with healthcare when he served, as well as when he then transitioned into. Um, an industrial setting. So really excited for you guys to listen to this one. It is a two-parter. So we've got this one dropping and then part two will drop in two weeks. Uh, I also have to say, for those of you who celebrate, happy holiday this week. Uh, And I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. We'll catch you guys in the next one. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Learn Right Radio. This week, we've got Paul Akash on, and he is actually an industrial athlete. So up until this point, we've had clinicians, we've had registered, registered dietitians, physical therapists, athletic trainers, um, but we are often talking about how we're helping the workforce. Um, and so we actually have a member of the workforce here, uh, and he wanted to hop on the podcast, and I thought it was a great idea. So, Paul, thank you so much for being on. Um, I just think you have insight that is going to be so valuable to a lot of people, and uh, even myself. So, uh, if you don't mind, do you uh, want to go into a little bit about you, what you do currently? Absolutely. So um, first of all, thanks for having me. I'm stoked. Um, but uh, yeah, so I guess currently I work um, within the quality field um, in a major manufacturing business. Um, so <clears throat> I, I don't know what more detail you want, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Uh, any, I mean, what do you like to do? Um if there's anything else to that quality piece or it, it could really be anything, anything about you that is you. Well, I mean, there's a lot about me. That's me. Um, I guess uh, <laughs> to, to start off uh, a little bit about my background, I was um, military um, for eight years. I did four years active duty uh, as a tank crew member. And then I did four years in the army reserve as military police. Um, and then sort of have hopped around a lot of jobs Um in the interim between my time in the reserves, I worked in a call center for a while. I was a security guard for a while. And uh, now um, that I'm back in my home state, um, I am working in the manufacturing industry. And it's uh, pretty cool. I like what I do. I like working quality. Um, yeah. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Uh, well, that's that's obviously a very wide range of different jobs. Um, comparing the, so where you started the military field versus now um the obvious difference i would assume is the physical demand you need for one versus the other um but could you go into the quality aspect a little bit kind of describe some of the things you do during your day yeah so um specifically what i do is i work um with the material review board um so we uh primarily we handle uh, like supplier issues. So if uh, a part is shipped to us from the supplier and it's found to be defective in some way, um, we go through and we inspect it. So we get lots of big pallets full of, um, you know, big steel parts or computer boards or whatever it is. And we have to just go through and 
sort of stare at them for several hours on end uh, and just uh, sort of identify what the issues uh, are and if the issues um, can be traced directly back to the supplier. Because sometimes, you know, if it's if it's damaged during shipping, um, the supplier might be able to, to kick back and be like, well, hey, no, we didn't do that. That was your fork truck driver that broke it, not ours or whatever the case is. So it's a lot of a lot of sort of tedious back and forth with the supplier on our supervision side of things. And then on our end, it's just a lot of inspections and moving pallets back and forth from mm-hmm. the warehouses to, to where we work. And <laughs> and then how long, how long is a typical day for you doing that? Uh, so we work 12 hour shifts where I work. Um, so the, the benefit in that, I suppose, is the off time, um, getting a four-day weekend. We're here on a Friday on my day off, which is magical for me. Um, but uh, it's not bad, but I can see I can see the 12-hour shifts becoming a problem, you know, as time goes on. As my kids get older, things like that, wanting to spend more time with them. Mm, yeah. And then, so when you were in the military field, I'm assuming it, there was nothing like that. You probably had long days, but there wasn't a three or four days off either yeah so with the military um it's guaranteed and that's not guaranteed um, your weekends aren't even technically guaranteed it's a pass signed by the commander every every friday for the for the base but um every month um with the exception of the holiday season so um july and december um you're guaranteed at least one extended weekend so three days or four days mm-hmm. um but uh beyond that yeah i mean we would wake up uh, first formation was about six o'clock in the morning. So we'd have to be there at five 45 and then we would often work till well past five when the work day is supposed to be nine to five. So you do an hour of, um, physical training PT in the morning from six to seven. Then you've got the two hours from seven to nine to sort of go home, take a shower, get changed, eat breakfast, and then go back to work. And you're supposed to work nine to five, but so often in the field that I was in with the tanks, um, and from what I understand, most uh, combat arms jobs, uh, you're working well past that 12 to 18 hour days, uh, almost wow. guaranteed. Uh, if, if that's assuming, of course, you include PT as your work day, because some people don't, because there were just dudes that were like, I love working out. Go! <laughs> and so I. <laughs> fair, fair enough. You weren't one of those guys? <laughs> no, not at all. I uh, If I never oh, run no. a day in my life, it will be too soon. <laughs> Gotcha. And okay, so kind of I don't know this at all. What is a typical session of PT? So it um it would like sort of cycle through. Um so there's like a rotation of so like one week you would run on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, mm-hmm. and then the next week you would run on Tuesday, Thursday. And so the the typical run day you could expect either um just like a up to a 10 mile run. Um, depending of course on the group because you do um, workouts at least when I did it on like a platoon level so it was 16 guys um, and you would run in a formation in a rectangle Um, and so you obviously have to run the pace of your slowest person um, which is usually me Um, so you would just run as far as you can in the the, around about an hour you got to think about 10 minutes to, to do warm up exercises which is what the army calls PRT which is physical readiness training and then about 10 minutes for your um, cool down exercises. I can't remember what those are called off the top of my head. Um, so about a, about a 40 minute run, just as, as far as you can get there and back. Um, we would often do 
there's a term for it. Last man ups. We would often do those. Uh, a lot of sprints, um, hill runs. Um, sometimes if you got lucky, you'd do a free run, which is where they just tell you what the turnaround point is and you are released and you just run there and then you mm-hmm. run back at sort of at your own pace. Uh, and then as for the regular days, we would do a rotation of like upper body, lower body. Um, so the upper body days, you expect to see just a lot of push-ups, um, a lot of pull-ups. Um, sometimes we would actually go down to the tanks in the motor pool and we would do like pull-ups on the tanks or we would take spare road wheels and we would like deadlift those, which is always a lot of fun just to, to excuse me. Like I, I always used to say, I loved just playing with the tanks. So even, excuse me, even getting to work out with the tanks, just doing pull-ups off of the, the side of the turret with like the handles and stuff was always more fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then lower body would be a lot of lunges, a lot of squats, um, and sit-ups. It was, it was a, a lot of different stuff. They tried to keep it not so monotonous, but I'm I'm blanking. I think my brain has sort of wiped some of that trauma. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Um, was that something that you felt like was helpful to your actual time serving, or? It- did you definitely, feel like it kind of wore you down? It definitely was helpful. Um, now I did um, sustain some injuries from, from from some of the things they did to me. Um, when I was uh, overseas, um, before we went to Iraq, we were in Kuwait, which is just a much safer country. It, it doesn't it doesn't run like a combat zone does. So like you mm. still wake up in the morning, you do PT, but instead of Monday through Friday, it's seven days a week. Um, and because at that time uh, I was failing the standard for my two mile run which i believe was 15 minutes and 54 seconds to complete the two mile run so they had me doing um it's called three a days three a day pt where i would do pt in the morning uh with whatever we would do and then on my lunch break i would go for a run and then at the end of our work day i would go for another run and mm. combining doing that three times a day with the climbing up and down off the tanks Mm-hmm. multiple times a day and sort of they're they're 10 15 feet tall uh so jumping off of that over and over and over again 10 15 times a day takes a toll on your knees and i ended up sustaining some knee injuries um, mm. from that so the the excessive running is what my doctor said probably was like the catalyst and then the high impact of jumping off all the vehicles and doing training because we had to do a bunch of training to get ready to go for to iraq so a lot of sprinting while wearing body armor and you know pretending to get mm-hmm. shot at and all that fun stuff um mm-hmm. so that was probably the, the the straw that broke the camel's back yeah what was uh so you were experiencing those and a backstory without like exposing what we've talked about because you know hipaa um <laughs> i met paul you were still recently a new hire correct you had just come to the plant yeah, the very first time I saw you, I think I had been, I think my first supervisor was still with us. Mm-hmm. And he had left about two months in to my, my tenure at the company. So yeah, it was, it was pretty, pretty new. Yeah. Um, and well, I think for that one, it was something that was more related to work. Like it was the yeah, setup of something. Yeah. Um, but then after that, after, uh, we kind of got to know each other there were some non-work related things that would come up and it was very much based out of the experience you just shared with us um but, well I mean I have a lot of questions that come out of that one but so when you were experiencing those first 
aches and pains um, in the military. What was your experience like with healthcare and with handling those pains that you have? So specifically within the military, um, it, it seems that I, I'm hoping things are different now. I've been sort of out of the game for a while. Um, once I switched from active duty to reserve in 2017, um, I sort of left the military healthcare field entirely. Um, so it's been many years since I was in it. So I don't necessarily want to slander it um, mm -hmm. under the hopes that it has changed. Um, but back when I was in, there was a big stigma, right? If you got hurt, you were weak, you were not manly, whatever it was. Um, and there was a big stigma about going to what was called sick call, um, which is basically visiting the hospital. Uh, in the morning, every day, there's a, the sick call. So if you're injured or you're ill, you go, you see the doctor, and then they can be the ones to say, yes, you are too sick to go to work before the workday starts. Um, and so there's a big stigma about that as well, of just not wanting to be the one to go. Um, they have a big thing about malingering. So if you're constantly going to sit call, they're going to try to kick you out for malingering. They actually threatened me with that with my knee a long time ago. It's a, it a whole thing. Um, but uh, so I actually didn't go for the longest time because for one, um, I knew that we were um, in the shoot to go to Iraq. And as a 19 year old kid who was serving in combat arms, that was sort of like the be all end all of the mm. military. Um, so I knew that we were in the shoot. So I didn't want to go get seen and be them and find out they'd be like, Hey, your knee's broken. You can't, you can't go to Iraq with all your friends. Um, so I, I actually sat on it for probably about a year um, after I sustained the injury before I went and actually started seeing somebody because my, uh, my command team noticed that I was limping around everywhere for, for almost a year. Wow. <laughs> and they were like, Hey, why don't you go get looked at? Um, and so when I finally did, it was, it was pretty rough. Honestly, they, uh, for the first about six months, they sort of did nothing. Um, just sort of kept doing appointments and like, Oh, try this medication, try this medication, mm. see if this helps and nothing was really working. And then, so they put me in physical therapy, excuse me, for another about six months. And that was run by an army captain um, instead of like, I, I say real doctor. I assume military medicine, like military officers who are doctors have medical degrees, but I don't know that for a fact. I just know that you have to have a college degree to become an officer. Anyway, he ran this physical therapy group for people with bad knees on Wednesdays. I don't know why I remember that. And uh, he made us just do some stuff that I thought was really odd for people with knee injuries, but I'm no professional, but we would do for an hour, we'd do push-ups and we'd do resistance band stretches on the legs and we'd do lunges. And then we'd all round it off with about 10 minutes of just wall sits with 50 pound weights. And we'd just pass them. We'd all sit in the line on the wall and we'd pass the 50 pound weight back and forth. Mm. And by the end of the six months, we had a meeting and he was like, you're not getting any better, are you? And I was like, no. And then he put me on what's called a permanent profile, which is a profile for the military is what limits your ability to do stuff. And so I got put on a no-run uh, permanent profile, which means that I don't need to go see the doctor every month to get it renewed. And it's permanent. It's on my record forever. Um, and that's sort of where the military health care stopped on uh, my knee. Wow. Okay. So you, well, it sounded like it's circuit training. So you <laughs> kind of, uh, you had the first barrier, which was medication that failed. Um, and then you, sounds like circuit training. So then you went through circuit training with a bunch of other people that had knee pain. And then when that didn't work, 
there wasn't anything else. So you just you just had pain this whole time. Yeah, and the the the, the be all end all for them was okay. Cool, you're not allowed to run anymore. Um, mm. Which certainly helped, but uh, it also um, I it pulled me off of the tanks um, mm-hmm. for the for the tail end of my for the, about the last uh, about eight months about the last eight months that I was active duty uh, I got pulled off of the tanks and because I was in a battalion that had tanks they didn't really have anywhere to put me so they shoveled me into the battalion mailroom um, with a few other guys who had recently also gone through a similar process just got injured and got put on a permanent profile so they could not fulfill the role that they were in the military for. Mm-hmm. Um, until I, I wrote out the rest of my contract and uh, got out. Wow. How was that? Okay, so obviously physically you were in pain, um, but, and we'll dive into this one further too, because there's more to this question, but even mentally or and emotionally, what was that experience like when you had this job you needed to do, but the resources that were being provided weren't really for you it was more of a it sounds kind of like a cookie cutter for everyone so what was that like for you going through that and then being taken off the tanks which it sounds like you really liked doing so um in terms of the healthcare, i had never thought much of it um having never it, all through my my life up to that point i'd never really gotten hurt before mm-hmm. um so i'd like i'd gone to the doctor for strep throat you know a few times i used to get strep throat a lot um had some ingrown toenail issues as a kid, but past that, like I never got hurt. So I never, I never experienced like real healthcare before that. So I never thought uh, anything of it. So it didn't really bug me uh, as to what happened. I think the biggest thing that did bother me was how long, cause it took me almost a year to get the permanent profile to actually be able to do something to, to rather stop doing things every single morning that caused me pain. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was frustrating in the sense that it took so long. Uh, my knees probably wouldn't be as bad as they are now if at the beginning of that year, they were like, maybe don't do these things anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it was um, very difficult to, to be removed from the tanks. Um, that was something I, I really enjoyed doing. Uh, and I still think back to it all the time. I've got a, all sorts of little memorabilia floating around my house. Um, but uh, at the same time, getting put into the battalion mailroom, I was um, I was 20 on the verge of 21. And we worked seven days a week from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. And that was it. Oh. Um, because the battalion mailroom was my assigned place of duty, most days I was done working at 1. Mm. And so I was out drinking and playing video games all day and, and mm generally being a menace to society i suppose um (laughs) but uh that that the fun of that wore off pretty quickly and uh Mm. in the last probably the last probably three months i started to just feel like what everybody said uh when i first got put in the mailroom of like oh you're just gonna wind up being a waste of taxpayer dollars you're just gonna sit in this mailroom and hand out mail to people and you're gonna ride out the rest of your career and you're not going to do anything else with it. And like mm. at the very end, when I was starting to get the process, like starting to fill out paperwork to get out of the army and get released, that's when it started to really kick in of like, wow, I just blew the last, the last part of my military career when I could have been playing in the tanks. You know, all my friends had gone to Korea um, and done some training over there. They went to Germany and they did some training over there. And I was still stuck in Kansas mm. handing out mail. That's incredibly difficult. I'm sorry that 
was even the outcome or that's how you felt um because obviously you you put yourself on the line um willingly and it uh it did not end how you had hoped it would so um and you're in pain still so that's not <laughs> there's that too <laughs> you have these lasting issues um and I know you've you've had other issues come up too. It's not just your knees. Um, <clears throat> so then, continuing post service, what was your and you juggled between different kinds of jobs. What was then your experience trying to alleviate any pain you did have physically? What was that like? So that's that's another interesting um, little bit of uh, leftover, I guess, from from the military. Is that uh, after I got out, I got seen by the VA. Um, they do something called, a, uh, oh gosh, what's it called? Claim and pension, um, which is uh, obviously pension being a retirement and then claim being for um, VA disabilities. VA is the Department of Veteran Affairs for anybody listening who might not know. Ooh, excuse me. Um, and so getting injured in the military, but you get out and the VA offers you um, the ability to uh, get seen and they will examine you and based on a percentage of your life that they believe is impacted, they, they, they offer disability payments. So it's a sliding scale from zero to hundred percent. And so I do collect VA disability um, for uh, some of my injuries, both physical and mental. Um, but that ties into actually something I was just talking to my doctor about recently. Um, I don't know, this is something I'm sort of recently, now that I'm getting to a place where I want to get my like health in order. And I've been seeing my doctor and getting some things in line. I don't know if I see a regular doctor and I get my knee fixed, if that means the VA is going to stop paying me. Mm. Because from how I understand it, it is a percentage of your daily life that is affected. So once my knees are better, that money goes away. Mm. So it's in sort of an interesting limbo that I'm in right now of like, well, <laughs> money's important. And yeah. so is not being in pain all the time. So it's yeah interesting. Yeah. And it's almost like it pays to be hurt. Yeah. Which no one wants to be hurt. But no, no one. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. I I mean, I have no insight except for what I'm learning from you right now. So all of this is news to me. And um, it's an interesting system. Yeah. It sounds like. Um, so then let's continue down that timeline so now we are in the plant you're in now the job is significantly different to the tank job uh and all the pt that you were doing so at this point um i guess i'll i'm not really plugging me but um you know i know it's not super common across the country to have athletic trainers or physical therapists at ours it's not a physical therapist but um to have athletic trainers present to have an injury prevention service readily available free on your work time so what was that going into that first appointment what was kind of your impression or your assumption just based on everything you've had up to that point with healthcare? so um i didn't know what to expect um mm. but it wasn't what i got uh, and that's not an insult. That is a compliment for sure. Oh. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I think I think we we kind of touched on this a little bit when we first met. But I'm I'm so used to the the military healthcare um, system 
that I think I just must have expected that, mm-hmm. um, which is to say not the best. Um, but uh, I, I think that the the system that that is set up with where I work and with what you do is 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 awesome. And I I don't know the percentage of the people who work in the factory who use it is, but I'm sure that percentage is too low. And mm-hmm. I think that more people should should take advantage of the system. And I've been actively encouraging my team uh, to see you guys every time they complain about being hurt. Mm-hmm. Just it's it's such a good system, and I'm excuse me, very assy today. Um, I'm sure that more places need it, and more people should be taking advantage of it. Um, but I guess to spin back, yeah, I think I expected much more on the military level, which is sort of you walk into an office with like four people. And you're like, I think I hurt myself. And they're like, okay, well, what did you do? And you're like, oh, I did this thing. And they're like, okay, cool. Don't do that anymore. And then they mm. kick you out. <laughs> mm. There's definitely some truth to that. I think uh, <laughs> there's a, uh, cause you know, not every clinician is the same. So hopefully other um, areas or other, I don't even know what to call it other people in other places of the military, wherever they are, hopefully there are differences. Hopefully they're not all like that. Um, But I think that really is the same in any kind of healthcare. So you, you could probably have athletic trainers like myself who would say like, Oh, don't do that. You know, like that's, that's the answer. There you go. Goodbye. Um, There might be PTs like that. There might be chiropractors like that, uh, which is a shame, but um, I'm glad that that wasn't your experience. And I mean, it was me, so I knew it wouldn't be that experience, but I'm glad that <laughs> after everything you had up to that point, it wasn't, uh, a similar type of experience. Um, yeah. yeah, my, uh, a lot of my experience with the, with like the medics that I had worked with, um, and I feel truly blessed with the medics I've had, um, throughout my military service. They were all, every single one of them were just wonderful people. Um, I still keep in touch with a few of them. Uh, I, I count several of them among close friends, whom, even though I haven't spoken to in years. Um, I, I still think they're great. But but with that said, like the services they offered me were like, if I, some, my, I got a bad wrist, um, something I've seen you about before, um, they would just wrap it and send me on my way. Mm-hmm. Um, where like when I see you guys, uh, it's all about stretches and like what I can do when it starts to hurt and just sort of teaching me I guess prevention mm. would be a good phrase for it. Uh, and that's something that's, that I've never experienced before. and has been super helpful. And I find myself doing a lot of the, the stretches that you showed me in my day-to-day life at my house. Aww. That's so good to hear. Um, hopefully, <laughs> I did not bring you on here to compliment uh, the, <laughs> the service we provide at the factory or myself, but it's actually really cool to hear that that is what you got out of it. Cause I think the goal, um, you know, we're, we're work right. And I can say that part, not the other part, but mm-hmm. we are work right. And I think the goal as clinicians and of the program is to be preventative, focus on catching it before it really starts. Um, not waiting a year into the pain you have to be like, Oh, let's try these things. Um, cause that certainly is a little bit harder to combat. Um, but it's cool that that is, that was your experience. That's kind of what you got out of it. Cause I think um some challenges or at least with uh, different people in the factory um some may not like that approach they 
they uh, they don't want to take the longer road of prevention or they don't want to put in that work or do the pre-shift form up um, or things like that because, you know, they feel fine at the time or they don't think yeah. it'll help. Um, and they would like to go like, oh, I would, do you have medicine? Do you have, you know, whatever temporary band-aid-y type uh, solution, temporary solution there might be. So it's cool when people like you can see the value in it and, and also, you know, tell your coworkers about it. That's also really cool. It helps us and uh, hopefully it helps them too. Yeah. I think from what I've been able to, to gather um, from the, uh, the scuttlebutt around the factory is something <laughs> I've noticed in, in, in a lot of places, but it seems to be just a stigma that is inherent to like, just like the older men mm. um, of just like, just sit on my problems until the day that I die. And then maybe then they'll go away. And that's something that even I fell victim to, as I told you just a minute ago, waiting a year uh, because I wanted to go do cool stuff. Um, and it's just, it's something we got to get rid of. And it's mm. just going to take lots of time and lots of effort from everybody involved to, to push through. It's one of the, one of the big talking points on my mental health soapbox, which is, is that like, we got to make the stigmas go away and, yeah and fast. <laughs> yeah. Well, on a side note, I love that you use the word scuttlebutt. <laughs> Highlight. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I agree. Um, and there are certainly many who I've had multiple conversations where it's like, oh, how are you feeling today? I feel awful. You know, like this is, I feel terrible. I'm like, oh, how can I help you? Like, no, it is what it is. It's like, it's never going to go away. I'm just going to, I'm going to just, it is, it's fine. I'm like, oh, well, it doesn't sound fine. And, <laughs> and um, that's tough because there are also clinicians out there that would tell, and maybe this is where they kind of get some of that idea too, is there are clinicians that will say like, you're just going to be in pain the rest of your life. Like they will say that to someone's face and they, <laughs> maybe they think they're helping them because they're being realistic. Uh, but I think it also sets them up for failure. Um, and I think that can kind of carry over into the messaging that someone will portray if they are hurt. They'll say, well, yeah. it is what it is. Uh, and I, I think um, that's a huge, a huge uh, theme. That yeah, is what it a little, is. little anecdote sort of related to that. Um, back in uh, 2019, uh, one of the last big things I did in the Army Reserve was we, we got to go to Hungary, um, which is actually where my family comes from. So that was a really, um, really cool and really fulfilling experience for, for myself. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I was walking and I, I tripped in a little hole in the ground and I, I hurt my knee. And so I was like limping back and uh, my, my sergeant and my medic were both standing by my truck when I was getting back having a conversation and as I sort of gimped over um the the medic was like what did you do now um which I feel like is a phrase that has come out of your mouth to me several times already um and I told her Hopefully what happened. I was joking like, oh. <laughs> and I was like oh no like I, I just tripped I hurt my knee I'll be okay and she said well there's an army doctor that's in country with us right now go see him like here's your paperwork just go you're going and I was like okay like I'll go see this guy and so I go and I meet with him and we sit down and I sort of explain like my history, like, you know, this is, 
I'm here because my medic told me to be here. Really, like I hurt my knee years ago. This is what's going on. And he was like, what do you want me to do about it? And I was like, I don't know, really. But like, I guess help something. And he was like, what do you want? Pills? Do you want a profile? And I was like, I don't know. Do you guys have like ibuprofen? And he's, he gave me ibuprofen and he was like, do you want to know what I think? And I was like, what's that, sir? And he said, I think you should just get out of the arm. And then he kicked me out of his office. <laughs> what on earth? Yeah. And so that was my last experience actually with a, like a real army doctor as opposed to like a, like a medic. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. And you were recommended to go there too. That's the, like, you probably would have never gone. Otherwise, yeah, well, so in, like... in the defense of my medics, they didn't know who this guy was. Mm-hmm. They just knew that he was there. And it was one of those things where like the medics can't prescribe you anything that you couldn't get like over the counter. Mm-hmm. So like a combat medic can give you ibuprofen and they can, you know, ace wrap your ankle. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the the doctor might have been able, I don't, I can't think of another prescription pain medication that's not like a narcotic because the army doesn't really give those out but Mm -hmm. he could give me something more than just ibuprofen but he didn't end up doing that and he can also write me a profile which again is like a limitation of duty that would last more than the the i think a combat medic can issue one for three days he could issue one for a month so like the whole time we were in europe i could have had a a profile that limited what i could do um and so but instead he just was very mean to me and told me Mm. to get out of the army because he thought and in his defense i suppose in a situation like that where you're overseas and you're training 24 hours a day you get a lot of people who are malingering who just want to get out of training who will Mm. feign a back injury what are you doing will feign a back injury and uh or something like that to just get out of it and so he probably just thought that i was making this up because i came with this fully written novel of a backstory (laughs) Um, but yeah. yeah, he told me I should just get out of the army and I got back to my medics and I told them that. And from that day forward, every time I got injured, they would both be like, Oh, well, why don't you just get out of the army? <laughs> That's funny. It's funny after the fact, the first one is yeah. not funny. Um, yeah. but yeah, well, that was kind of my, that was my reaction. And my point was that someone literally told you to go see him. They didn't really was, but just based yeah. on how you presented and the pain you're having a medic recommended you to go see somebody and it turned out to be awful i oh my god sorry experiences um i think maybe that's what a lot of people imagine is going to happen with uh work right on site um I guess that would make sense though, because i've had a couple people kind of like you that were surprised or when we kind of went in depth a little bit more about you know what an athletic trainer can do what we can provide on site they're almost like oh you can do all that um i remember one time it was so i worked at the factory in fremont california before i moved out here i think i've told you that before yeah um and i had so someone didn't really understand who i was or exactly what i did uh and i was wrapping their hand um to kind of get them through the day we talked about other things it's never like you said it's never just a taping or something it is a little bit more complex than that but the person I remember asked me they're like so what gives you the right to do this like like how how can you be doing this right now are you allowed to do this <laughs> and I kind of stood there I'm like it's a very bizarre question of course I can do this 
<laughs> but again, they didn't, uh, they had no idea what an athletic trainer was. They didn't realize that they're in schools, they're in universities. They do work with the military um, mm-hmm. in some cases, or hopefully most cases. Uh, but it was just so funny. And um, I haven't gotten that question since, especially not in our factory, because most people know me at this point. But um, just similar confusion or lack of understanding about the help that can actually be provided. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Thank you to everyone who tuned into this latest episode. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed it. It's a really cool take, one that we haven't had on this podcast before, but hopefully we'll get to have many more. Uh, hopefully you found this encouraging, uh, potentially helpful, especially if you're kind of wondering how you can make an impact on an industrial athlete or in the industrial space. So hope you guys enjoyed this and we will catch you all for part two in two weeks where we have Paul back on.